0: Mark the clock. They gave me five less minutes, so you're out of luck. <laughs> we have mentioned several areas of security this month. Uh, we've looked at Christ as deliverer and sanctuary, we've looked at uh, him as guardian and as a shepherd. And we're going to kind of look at one final role, and it's kind of a little bit different in that it affects the way he does each of these four roles. Uh, there's a, tit- there's a, we've talked about the the these verses that will have a lot of titles that Christ holds, and and the probably one of the most famous ones is in Isaiah 9.6. It says, "For us, uh, for to us a child is born, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder." And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And as I read that, and as I was uh, preparing this message, and this is the amazing thing of the Bible, is that you always learn new things, uh, if you are willing to get into it. And however many times I've seen this and read this, and didn't know that In most of their Bibles, the comma is put in the wrong place. Not because the first Bible had commas, uh, but because, uh, in fact, they didn't. They didn't have punctuation. They didn't have spaces between words. I'm not really sure how they did that. But but we, in trying to do grammar and pull things and, and put it in our language to understand, we put commas and set things off for grammar so that we can understand it. And uh, the, the great thing, actually, how they knew where things ended and what things belonged to others and, uh, is because in a lot of, or most other languages, words have endings. And words have endings to show where they're supposed to be in a sentence. This is why, for example, when we were in Russia, we could not get the hang of it. They can put their sentence in any order and understand it. They can put the noun first. They can put the subject last. They can do anything they want. They can put the adjectives before or after. Now, they have kind of ways they usually do it. But they can do it anyway. And they can understand each other. And if I did that, I would confuse myself. Not just you. And They can do that. Because words have endings. If it's the subject, it has an ending. It goes on. it. If it's an adjective, it's got a certain kind of an ending. And this word, which is interesting, we say... Uh, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Well, in English, and so we would put the comma after that, and we look at that, there's a bunch of things. Mighty God, Everlasting Father. There's an adjective with a, with a noun that it describes. The problem is, is that the word wonderful is not an adjective. It's a noun. It's its own thing. He shall be called Wonderful if you have a King James, you will notice that they put the comma in the right place. Um, your new versions uh, do not. So I didn't know that. So I get in, I'm getting ready to write a sermon about a wonderful counselor. And I can't bring you that message today because that is inaccurate. He is wonderful and he is counselor. Uh, <clears throat> now he is a wonderful counselor. But that's just not what the Bible says. We're going to talk about Christ as a counselor And so, I want to talk about the work of a counselor. Now, what is the work of a counselor? Well, the first thing that we look at as the work of a counselor is the obvious one. The work of a counselor is to advise. Psalms chapter 16 and verse 7 and 8 says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. And I will not be shaken. The source of safety as a shepherd. The source of safety as a guardian. As all these things that Christ does. Is through the work he does as counselor. Not exclusively. But this influences and impacts every way that he provides for our security. It is through his words. Now, I like this this verse for a couple of reasons, but one of them, he says, uh, In the night, my heart instructs me. Have you ever noticed that your biggest worries come at night? Have you ever noticed that? You ever get up in the morning and you go, What in the world was I thinking last night? Yeah, you, know, you imagined all these awful things. I fired off an email last night to the board of directors uh, of of the school board education. I was irate at a at a homework assignment that got sent home. With my, I'm still irate. But I mean, at night, you can just imagine the world crumbling because of these homework assignments that they're sending home. It's like, well, maybe maybe it's not all that bad, right? But we get so amped up, and we get so, whether anger or fear or whatever, it just seems that nighttime is the time where, I don't know what it is, but there is something about nighttime. He says, In the night, my heart instructs me. In the night is when sometimes we need God's counsel the most. When we are, and metaphorically, I think that's true also. What is your night? What fears do you have? What things threaten you? It doesn't have to be a scary thing. What makes you vulnerable is your night. Whatever makes you vulnerable, that's where you need His protection. We come to the second thing. Well before we get there though, I want to give you just a couple of specifics. For example, talk about what you're afraid of. Are you afraid of failure? I am. Are you afraid of change? You're often afraid of change. There's a, a non catastrophic failure, by the way. When I say failure, I'm not talking about it's just I'm gonna mess this up so bad. Yeah, you know, th- that's a kind of a failure. But there's other kinds of failure. For example, <clears throat> have you been a- afraid of disappointing someone? Like I just, I just didn't kind of meet their expectations, right? You ever, you're going someone coming. Uh, you're going to have a, you know, the first time we're going to host uh, the Thanksgiving dinner, and is it going to be up to the in-laws' expectations because they've always done this before and. Maybe they're getting older and they don't want to do it anymore. Is the house going to be neat enough? I mean, it's it's kind of still... It's not a major catastrophe, but there's still a fear of disappointing. And am I going to... And we have these fears. And that's a little thing. But we have these little things. We feel little vulnerabilities everywhere. Am I afraid of opening up or admitting weakness? Hmm... We like to project that we know everything, that we have everything under control. We have fears of committing various degrees, I suppose. I know I, I, I don't control everything. Well, what, what responsibility will I have if I commit? I don't know if I want to commit completely to this. I have some 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 reservations. We call those reservations. Reservations. It means I don't want to commit. What if I go out on limb and I was wrong? There's all these fears that we have. All these nights where God gives us counsel. God says, I have some good advice for you. Now, the second one here, Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 8 through 12. He says, and I apologize, I have to break in in the middle of a sentence, otherwise I'd have to read the entire chapter, but it's just about Ephesians 1. We're not going to do that. He talks about the, let's just cut here. He says, "...in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. And this is one of those verses that gets kind of taken out of context a lot of times. And and people talk about the will and and all these things about you and you're supposed to do. And that's not really uh, the intent here. But... One of the jobs of a counselor is to resolve things. In other words, there's a plan. It, it's not just it's not just some advice, but the the purpose of the advice is to resolve some situations. There's this plan in place. The word advice doesn't really work in a sense in this plan in this as a substitute for counsel. As he says, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, to the plan or the purpose. He's got an idea in mind of what he wishes to accomplish. In other words, the purpose of his advice is to reach a resolution with mankind. See, the best advice that we can give is, you notice that people have advice for everything. You, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. Oh, you got—and it. it is wonderful. The internet's a wonderful place for for advice, and it is. You know, you got, I got this kind of stain. What do I do? Advice. Boom. Internet. Well, for this kind of stain, you need to do this: it's cold water. Oh, no, you did the wrong thing because you needed warm water. And there's all kinds of advice, right? Now, there's bad advice on the Internet, obviously. But there's tons of advice. But the best advice, the best advice ever is always connected to an idea. It's always connected to a plan. It's always connected to something of substance. It's not just random, let me pull out this box of advice for this situation. And a lot of people treat the Bible like that. Uh, But God's advice is always connected to ideas. (coughs) Ideas uh, that are not segregated by this box of of things that you should do. And here, uh, you know, you go to. A lot of preachers have okay, we're gonna open up this box and we're gonna talk about this subject. And we're gonna close that and we're gonna put it over there and we're gonna talk open this box. And now we're talking about this thing. But God's advice is really connected. All of it's really connected and forms one thing that God is trying to accomplish. His plan is to produce something. His wisdom is aimed at making us into something. In other words, God has a long-term view. Well, God has another way. Christ has another way. He's a counselor, and this is what we think of. Maybe. Maybe you don't. But it is important for a counselor to listen. One more time. There we go. Daniel. Daniel. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. And then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell him these dreams. They came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream. My spirit's troubled to know the dream. The Chaldeans said in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we shall make it known the interpretation. The king said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not tell me the dream and the interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be laid in ruins. Well, It's obvious in here that they understood the job of a counselor is to listen. Now, they were uh, not so honest in that. Uh, They were hoping to listen because they had no ability to interpret dreams. And their job, as they saw it, was to listen and to spit back what they hoped the king wanted to hear. Kind of like fortune tellers. And just listen for a few details and then say things. Wow, that's amazing. So that's what they were hoping to do. Um, but listening is a part of being a counselor. The problem is, of course, when we listen incorrectly. You know, um, there are counselors that are today that are every bit as useless as these. You go to counselors and they'll, you pay them Hundred. I don't even know what a counselor earns. I should probably look into that. Hundreds of dollars an hour eh, to listen. And then at the end, well, what do you think about that? Well, let's talk about that. It's like I can do this at home, you know, for free. You know, as though you have the answers to your problems. Listen, I didn't spend hundreds of dollars to come here. I've got some deep problems. I didn't come here to spill my guts. And then you say, hmm, interesting. What do you think about that? I already know what I think about that. It hasn't helped me. You help me. You tell me what to think about this. And that's what Daniel, that's what Nebuchadnezzar is, is, is saying here. I know what the dream is. I want to see if you can help me. I didn't spend all my money because I don't need a counselor. I spent money because I need someone to help me. And God says, listen, I listen and I've got some answers that's why the world's counselors hide behind listening because they don't have the answers usually they might have some answers but you will find that the answers are always here if it's answers you need the answer is here now God, Christ is an ironic counselor. Because unlike them, he doesn't need to listen. And yet he still does. He's the one counselor that doesn't actually need to listen to you to know the problem. And yet he still says, tell me. He still has this forum where we can go and for free, he'll listen to us. Even though he doesn't need to. How, how interesting is that? He has the answer before he listens. But he still says, I'll listen. So we wish to know the counselor. Not just know his work. Acts chapter 20, verse 27. No. I got these in the back, backwards, that's okay. Okay. Proverbs one twenty three through 26. This says, <clears throat> If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you, and I will make my words known to you, because I have called and you have refused to listen. I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel. You would have none of my reproof, so I will laugh at your calamity, and I will mock when terror strikes you I've got these in the wrong order that's alright let's move on that is that there is an escape clause God will not advise forever I know that sounds a little harsh but he will not advise forever that sounds cruel That's not the picture of Jesus in my baby's first Bible. We want a Jesus who is always there to pick us up and dust us off, and he does frequently. He's always there to wipe us clean. But he says, listen, you've ignored my counsel and there's coming an end to it. I will only advise for so long. Proverbs 19, 19 through 21. The man of wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you only have to do it again, and again, and again, and again. Listen to advice and accept instructions so that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand that wraps up really what we talked about Christ and and you've known people like this you kind of help them out and they're in the situation a couple weeks later or a month later and it's just constant and God says listen I'm not going to do this forever there comes a point which I might let you endure some pain. Now, it's not to say that you're gone and He'll never allow you back. But God's not going to constantly pick me up. And I have to know that about God. I have to understand God. So so that in knowing God, there's an impetus upon me to try to maintain the upright position. And not just always count on being picked up. That's the purpose of his advice, is to get me to a place where I'm maintaining. And yes, if I fall, he's there. But it's supposed to be an if, not a... Here we go again, today. So, as we close... I want to just ask a a thought, a couple questions. That is not my question. That is from last week. I'm not sure how that got in there. Here we go. That's your song. What's your plan? What is your plan? I have great plans for my life. You ever have a great plan? Right up until? Ah, that, was, that was a great idea. God says, no it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I had a great idea. I get great ideas all the time. Right up until I start putting them into practice. God I've got a better purpose. I've got a better thing. My wife's brother asked his daughter. She was about five. uh, Our niece, Avery. Where do you see yourself in five years? She said, in the mirror. (laughs) True statement. We don't have sometimes plans... And a lot of times, if you'll notice, where you thought you would be is not where you will be. Very rarely, in fact, the things materialize the way. So what's your plan and how sound is it? Does it match the counsel of Christ? Does it fit with what God is trying to accomplish? Or am I trying to accomplish something that fits me and what I want? The only way I can know Christ and his counsel is to absorb it, is to listen to it. Christ listens and he says, I've got some stuff to offer. I've got to get into it if I wish to be safe. If I wish to be guarded. If I wish to be in a sanctuary. If I wish to be rescued. I need Christ's advice and his plan.